Welcome back, everyone. This is Discussing Who, and tonight it's going to be all about discussing comics, or this morning, or this afternoon, or whenever you may be listening. It's all about discussing comics, specifically discussing comics, which you will find out in just a moment. But I am Kyle Jones, as always, and joining me is my impossible co-host, Clarence Brown. How are you? Hey, man. How's it going? I'm doing great. Doing great. Glad to be on again. I am really glad to be on again because it is uh, actually a perfect day to be having this conversation. It's comic book day. I've got my fix and my little brain buzz of getting some new, fresh comics. So without further ado, we've got a special guest on with us tonight, a gentleman we met recently at the Golden Triangle Comic-Con a couple of months ago and have been communicating with since, Mr. Dietrich Smith. How are you? Ah, I'm doing good, guys. Uh, Happy to be on. Happy to be on. Well, we are glad to have you and glad to have you uh, come on. So anybody that has... Uh, been listening to us before you you know that we are both comic book fans and you know Dietrich I got to give you a compliment when you go to these cons and you meet people the interaction that someone has with someone meaning a creator that's at a booth that, that, that has an interaction with the people who are coming through that creates, in my opinion, a lasting impression. And I've got to be honest, we've met people who that when, when you've talked with them, they, you know, are like really, really busy and they're, you know, kind of like, OK, go on through you from the very beginning. However, even on social media came across as just a genuinely nice guy and just talking to you back and forth. You know, the past couple of months, you, you've maintained that. So, what you know, compliment to you from the very beginning for just being <laughs> a nice guy. You know, regardless of being oh. an artist, um, you know, it was just, you know, you were very approachable. And it was really nice having seen some of your work and looking at things that you've done. And and I'm talking, I guess, as a fanboy here and not realizing that I was meeting someone who has drawn so much of the Marvel and DC stuff that I've read. And, because when we got home, I was like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that I just met this guy that did this, 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 this and this. So kudos to you, basically. <laughs> oh, thanks, thanks, thanks. Well, you know, it's all just a big act. You know, I'm really an evil <laughs> I'm really an evil Scrooge behind closed doors. I'm just putting on that uh, faked act out there, you know, to get everybody to buy my stuff. Hey, so whatever it takes, in like right? two years, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so, Looking for uh, early retirement. There you go. <laughs> so how many cons do you do a year? Uh, do you do a lot of them or you, you have a, just a set few that you kind of hit? Well, I don't really know the amount. I haven't really. Um, I'm just recent. I'm re- re- recently getting into the uh, comic book scene. I mean, the convention scene more. Uh, like I said, I've been more of a hermit most of my career. Like I said, I've been in this industry since like '95, '96. But you know, I, I stayed mostly on the West Coast, and so I would hit you know San Diego convention or WonderCon, you know, or stuff like that. But, you know, even being from here in uh, the South, I never hit, went to DragonCon. And it's, you know, one state away over in, in Atlanta. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just trying to get out more to conventions. But uh, I try to do maybe three to four at a minimum because um, there are so many that pop up. But they're, you know, trying to meet deadlines. You know, it's yeah. it's impossible to go to a convention and, you know, not every convention is, you know, three or four hours away. Sometimes, you know, you got to catch, hop on a plane and, you know, deadline is looming at the same time. And, you know, you, you know, you know it's funny you said that really pleased because <laughs> if I remember correctly, I think a deadline was looming when we met you that day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That seems to be the case with me a lot. Deadlines are always looming over my head. <laughs> so if you don't mind me asking, when did you start? drawing what what brought you to whoa that is that is a question i really can't answer i i've always been drawing so um so if you want to say four three three or four years old five years old i don't know (laughs) 
Um, like I was telling um, people before, I think it started with my great grandmother um, reading the Sunday morning uh, Sunday strips to me. Um, you know, Snoopy, Charlie Brown, things of that nature, Lois and Clark. Uh, was it a Marmaduke? All of those. And then, you know, Super Friends, um, Captain Caveman. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, any, you know, all of those cartoons, you know, got me more interested in, you know, trying to copy uh, and trace, you know, the Super Friends, trying to, uh, you know, imitate what I saw Hanna-Barbera do every Saturday morning, you know. Cool. So I, I started that early. Um and it continued. Um, and when George Perez, you know, became so popular with Teen Titans, you know, I was on board then, you know, following the whole Dungeons and Dragons, you know, trying to create, you know, um, characters for for Dungeons and Dragons, you know, trying to illustrate those characters, you know, for the board games that we played. So it just went on and on. And uh, like I said, um, when I uh, got into college that's when that's when it came to a head. <laughs> uh, I think it was uh, the image boom was popular at the time, you know, with all those gatefoil, gatefoil covers, triple fold covers, you know, glow in the dark covers. When that whole image boom came out, um, I think Rob and uh, Wildstorm were putting on the big talent search out west. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, I was in uh, college taking up mechanical engineering, but I caught myself um Doing uh, sketching comic books more than doing uh, math. <laughs> so, so I danced and uh, moved out to California and, you know, just became persistent at the conventions that I went to uh, meeting different, you know, creators, different artists, different editors. Like I said, my persistence, um, uh, I think, got me in the door. I met a few uh, guys from Extreme Studios when Rob Liefeld had uh, the whole thing going with Youngblood Battle, st- uh, um, Bloodstone, right. all of those, you know, all those Bloodstrike, oh, my bad, all those books coming out. And so I ended up meeting Dan Fraga and Marat Michaels, which were two big artists at the time, became buddies with them. And they introduced me to Rob. And um, like I said, persistence after a while coming by the studio so much, Rob ended up, you know, just hiring me on as an intern. Um few months later i think my first uh my first assignment that rob gave me was a chapel was a chapel issue and so and then my next assignment was a uh chapel spawn crossover so it was just like i was yeah i was getting the greatest you know characters dropped in my lap you know for my first assignment and um uh from there i went to just you know stayed in the comic book business and but i eventually um took a chance in the comic i mean in uh the uh cartoon industry as well um stayed in that for about two or three years but it was like i said it was so many chefs in the kitchen and when you saw your work um after you know working about two or three weeks and doing animatics and seeing that product in like 20 seconds flash before your eyes <laughs> wow i worked on that for like two uh, two weeks and it went by so fast you oh, know wow. like you know, like I said, there's so many chefs in the kitchen. So I just, you know, I ended up making my uh, journey back to the comic book industry. And that's where I've been ever since, you know, just plugging away in this industry and trying to trying to gain more followers and more, more, more fans, uh, you know, to, to draw a check and to and to have people like my work and keep me juiced and keep me flowing. You know? yeah. So so you mentioned that, you know, as taking up mechanical engineering, you said at some point I started drawing and enjoying that more than I was actually doing the mechanical engineering part. So uh, maybe that point a little bit earlier. At what point did you know that you were exceptional as an artist? Oh, and I never thought I was exceptional. <laughs> if, I, if I was exceptional, then I wouldn't have been in, in mechanical engineering. I would have been, you know, in 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 a, in a uh, museum or something, <laughs> you know, presenting my work. You know, yeah. but uh, I just so that, I just felt I just felt that, um, like I said, I think I was in an an exam, and like I said, when I was doing the drawing, I think I was drawing Cable and Deadpool. Instead of doing my exam, and that was like a <laughs> final, and, and you know, and so I was just like, okay, this is my point of realization where okay, you've you've got to pack it up, and 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 pursue this, you know, because you know you can't, 
You know, you're you're in college, you know, wasting your parents' money, wasting <laughs> grant money. You know, you know, yeah, this is not, you know, something you can take lightly. You know, this is, you know, this is a big step. You, you Either you're going to stay true to the mechanical engineering or you're going to take the chance and, you know, go out west and do something that you've been doing, you know, as a, you know, since you since you've been a child, you know, and that's drawing. And, you know, you've got to make this a career decision and you've got to stick with it. And so, you know, like I said, I didn't want to I didn't want to pack up and leave college for no reason. You know, and you know, kind of I don't want to say be a disappointment, but just uh, I didn't want my parents words to be true. <laughs> you know, like, you know, stay in Best school. Motivation. You're not going to make it. Come. Yeah. yeah. It's like, no. Uh-uh. So, so, so let me ask you this question, you know. I'm sitting here and I'm listening to you say that and I'm sitting here thinking of all of those people who have had that similar conversation with themselves and don't take that chance that you took. Do you remember a moment to where you were like, okay, you know, screw this, I'm just going to do it and 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 then you know you did what you just described was there a moment like that or did you just just do it and it was organic but what did you have that like aha moment that was like okay there's no going back i'm gonna do it well i think i think it was that um i think it was that summer i think it was that summer um after you know the exam and after school was out and i was you know I came home and I had a summer job and after hours I would, you know, get on my drafting table and I was, and I would draw a million, you know, samples and, you know, those, you know, late hours of working early in the morning and then coming home and drawing. I think that, that had me like, okay, I'm, I've got to do this. You know, I can't, you know, come home and, you know, instead of going out and having a good time with, you know, my summer money and, you know, being with friends that I haven't seen all, you know, year, you know, no, I was at the house, you know, grinding on the drafting table. So that, I think that was, you know, my realization where, OK, no, dude, you're really going to go through with this. You're not going to go back to school. You're going to take this money and you're not really going to tell your parents in the beginning that you're going to take the money and go west. But you're going to do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they thought the money that I was saving during the summer was, you know, to head back to school. No, it was for a plane ticket to California. <laughs> wow. The American dream. (laughs) (laughs) So let me ask you this. If, you know, I've looked at some of your things that you've done, and I mean, you have drawn everything from, like you said, from Image to Marvel to DC to, you know, Boom, uh, you know, different other um, companies other than the big two. What is the one character that you've worked on that you would say, that's been my favorite or is there one wow <laughs> that's a, wow oh man oh whew. um wow that is a really tough choice maybe it's because these two are these 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 three are rather recent but i'm gonna have to say destroyer and shaft I, I, I think Shaft, because, you know, Richard Roundtree, you know, growing up, that was, you know, yeah. the man. Um, and I think just working on Destroyer because it's so recent, but also working with a great, you know, writer, Victor Lavelle, um, I, just what he had going on in the story with 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 Destroyer, all three of the characters, um, Josephine, Akai, um and Frank himself. Uh, and, and, and my third character is, um, the bionic man. I worked on him, uh, for, for dynamite. So I think those three, um, bionic man, shaft and destroyer, my three, three favorite, um, to work on. I think bionic man, because, you know, um, bionic man was like one of my favorite, you know, car um, shows as a child. So. Yeah. All right. So I have a curious question for you. When you were drawing um, the Bionic Man, did you, in the back of your head, when you were drawing it and and especially doing an action scene, did you ever have the? Oh, of course. I did the meal, man. I 
when I got the assignment, I hopped on YouTube and I was just like trying to find the intro music. <laughs> I was just like <laughs> trying to play it in the background before I'd start my day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's just it's just something that sticks in your head. But but yeah, I think you know Bionic Man because you know as a child, like I said, you know Steve Austin, you know was the man. So so like I said, I I think I've told this in a past interview. Steve Austin and Mr. T, those were two <laughs> big guys. <laughs> so. <laughs> So if I was ever to get a chance to work on a Mr. T comic, oh, that would, you know, that'd be everything in, in my eyes as well. So if anybody has a license to him, hey, call me up. <laughs> cool. <laughs> All right. So let me ask you this. Um, you know, I've noticed that uh, you mentioned Destroyer just a moment ago. So is there... A difference now you've worked with creators I'm sure that you've never seen and you've had some of course you know you've started at image so that you have people that of course you uh, you know have seen and had the connection with but now when you started working on destroyer you had not met Victor is that correct uh, that's true yeah, right, but yeah. you just recently had an opportunity to meet him at, I think it was New York Comic Con. So, what was uh-huh. yeah. what, what was that like? Uh, pretty much intimidating, truthfully. Um, just what you see that he's accomplished, um, his mindset, uh, just everything about him. You know, such an intellectual man, a person that has that grace, that great of a use of words is intimidating it's just like oh my goodness his his vocabulary is just like off the change you know you feel you feel i don't know i feel dumbfounded around him <laughs> that's, that's that's i guess my best way to describe my presence around him so just, um, but i like i said he's he's just he's just a regular guy but you know he's just so cool so so what was it like um tell us a little bit about how the destroyer story came to be or how your association came with that story and i i'm purposely not saying too much about the story because i want to encourage anybody that's listening to go out and to you know ask your comic shop to order it or uh purchase it digitally whatever you can this is an amazing story so uh, i don't i'm not going to get too much into to the ask you about the details of the story but what was how did your process of getting involved with it and what was your collaboration style that you had with victor while you were working on it um well in the beginning i was approached um by an assistant editor at boom uh mr chris rosa and uh eric harburn uh actually uh said that they liked my my work on a uh, shaft and uh, said they had a project that they thought I would be perfect for and gave me a little bit of information about it and uh, asked me if I could do a few designs on it and I was just like oh my goodness <laughs> it involves frankenstein and and I just thought um that had to be like the biggest coolest you know like coincidence because um I don't know if I'd it's told you guys this earlier when we met. Um, I am an army brat. I'm a military brat. Um, my father was in the army and we spent a few years over in uh, Germany and uh, we lived uh, not too far from Frankenstein's castle, which was a tourist, a big, rather tourist attraction, uh, especially at Halloween time. And so seeing that castle and having that connection with the monster in this story I just thought was, you know, the coolest coincidence in the world, you know? <laughs> so when they told me it involved him, but, um, that it had his descendant as well. That's when I just, I just thought this was the coolest idea. So working with Victor, he gave me, like I said, pretty much free reign with his script. Um, like I said, I didn't have a chance to meet him before, uh, things began, but I, I think he pretty much laid everything out to me. Um, story-wise, and um, all the characters were pretty much easy. They, I, they, they were already pretty much created um, in his mind, and I think it was pretty much 
a good go for me. You know, it wasn't too complicated on what he was looking for. Everything that he um, had involved in the script uh, wasn't too 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 complicated for me to you know try to piece out um, to lay out. Um, like I said, I, I don't want to give away too. And so when I'm doing these interviews, I always try to like hold back because, like you said, <laughs> you don't want to give away too much right. about what the story is. So I don't know if uh, for all the people that um, don't know too much about Destroyer, I guess I could kind of give you a quick synopsis of where there you it go. is. It's, there you go, like wet the appetite. Yeah, yeah. It's in Mary Shelley's Frankenstein novel. At the end of the novel, we thought that the create that the creature perished in the Arctic, but he didn't. Frankenstein has been alive this whole time. And in the story, in the novel, in Mary Shelley's Frankenstein novel, he tried to pretty much kill all of his creator's um, relatives. He tried to get rid of pretty much the whole Frankenstein family line. But now in the year 2017, he's come to find out that there is one last living descendant who is alive, and she happens to be an African-American um, female uh, doctor, a scientist that is pretty much accomplice like her great, 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 great um, uncle was, Victor Frankenstein was. And she happened to lose her son to a police shooting recently, and she would like to do the th- same thing that her yeah. relative <laughs> Victor did in resurrecting her son. So yeah. the monster, like I said, is on that war path to try to assassinate the last mi- living member, her, not knowing that she's doing the same thing that his creator did. So it's just a little, it's a w- little wild circle going around. <laughs> yeah, and I I love the the tech spin on that. Um, you know, I don't want to give you know nanobots. I'll just say that I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. Like when you get the request for these characters, like you said, it was pretty easy to create these characters. Like how much were they fleshed out in description? Were they pretty exact on what they wanted or is it kind of? Well, 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 when I when I came in, um, the great artist Dan Mora, who I'm sure you've seen on uh, Power Rangers and he does a bunch of the WWE covers at Boom and he does pretty much a lot of covers from Marvel and DC. Dan had already laid um, the foundation for these designs out. So all I did was come in and tweak a bit of this and a bit of that. Um, But like um, the bride and things like um, the director and the director's, um, the labs like location, those things I, I, I created, but Dan had pretty much laid down the groundwork for um, Josephine and Frankenstein. Um, So all I did was come in and tweak a few things. They wanted me to darken his style up to give it a a bit more horror look. Uh, Dan has more of a, uh, I don't want to say an animated style. It's, but I think I, I took a darker approach to it. Uh, I tried to mix in more blacks and more shadows on certain scenes. So, but I think um, Victor already had Frankenstein's look. Um, he wanted him to look like um, Ozzy, uh, not Ozzy Newsom. What is Ozzy Osbourne? Uh, yeah, Ozzy. No, not Ozzy no. Osbourne. Um, uh, uh, oh my goodness! Now I'm all mixed up. It's not Ozzy. It's um. Oh my goodness! What is? Um, I, I maybe I could remember it. Um, oh my goodness! What is his name? I can't even remember his name now. Oh man! But if I if I recall it, I'll I'll, I'll tell it to you. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> yeah, but um, he already had the designs laid out. Like I said, I just came in and tweaked a few things. Um, but uh, just the the and. Like I said, he wanted to keep everything grounded, though, too. So this wasn't going to be like, you know, a, a Blade Runner 2049, um, you know, tech. And this wasn't going to be in a cure, you know, type of, you know, technology. We didn't want to push the envelope and have, you know, um, the, the tech looking that advanced. We wanted to keep everything grounded as if this yeah. was occurring now, you know. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, I could definitely so I tried, see so that. I tried, yeah, so I tried to keep my designs on the tech and the technology and the nanobots and, you know, like I said, some of the lab background. I wanted to try to keep it on technology that, that could be created today. Like, you know, if we went, you know, looked in some of the government's labs, 
so even Apple's labs, you know, maybe some of these designs could be made, you know? So like I said, I didn't want to push it too far. I wanted to keep everything grounded. So this story, you know, kind of hit, hit true, you know, like I said, this, this story has a lot going for it on things that are relevant right now. Yeah. So, yeah. I noticed that with like the printer as well, the, the biological <laughs> printer, that's very much, you know, in our conscious right now of, of things that yeah, are yeah. kind of tech centric. You know, I want to mention a, a saying that I, I'm going to mention without mentioning. There, there is a because, and I'm I'm going to mention it because you actually uh, mentioned it in your synopsis. But the one I'm referring to is you said that uh, she loses her son to a police shooting, and yeah. When I read this, you know, whenever I'm reading that particular issue, and I'm seeing that. The thing that impressed me the most about that was you, I, there is there there are many artists and writers that would have taken that scene and have fleshed it out, showing all the action. The two of you, however, I think told more of a story by letting the reader look at what that's what you showed. And the implication of knowing what happened to the child, you know, just from that 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 one page that you show that event that happens, you know, it is written all over that single page. What was yeah. it like for you drawing that page? You know, I, <laughs> I've I've heard you make a a good comment on that page in the past. And I wish I could redo that page. Really? <laughs> yeah, I really wish I could redo that page because I don't really think it. Um, I, I really don't think I justified that scene. I try to do it um, because that scene, when we see that scene presented in the in the in the book, it's sort of a dream scene, a dream sequence, a, a sort of a flashback sequence. So I try to treat it in that way, and I try to u- overuse blacks and shadows. But I just don't think it. I, I, it's, it's just me being nitpicky about my artwork. But I just wish I would have presented it a little bit different. But I am really appreciative to Joanna Lafuente for the color choices that she used on it. Um, I think her lighting created that mood. Um, a elm. It was just like a walking down Elm Street type of scene. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. You know you saw the lights on the ground. You saw the lights in her window. It gave that eerie, you know, ominous, creepy scene of something bad is about to happen. <laughs> you know? So, okay, well, so I, I appreciate. Well, let uh-huh. me say this. Uh, you know, I probably had, and I'm going back into fanboy mode here. I probably had about eight or ten books that I was reading from that particular week that that issue came out. I And other than your book being Boom Studios, all the rest of them was either DC or Marvel. And I'll be honest with you, I couldn't tell you one other book that was in that stack that I remember what happened other than, you know, just in the collective consciousness. But that that one stood out, and that particular scene stood out. So, you know want to overdo it if you wish i i think it was well presented and you did a great job <laughs> I, I appreciate it kyle i appreciate it you know like i said I, I've, I've read a lot of reviews and a lot of people gave good uh, applause towards that scene like i said that's just me being a you know an artist like all of us always are you know every page we turn in is never good in our eyes so <laughs> that's just how i feel about that page i just wish i would have done a, a different job on it um Sounds but, like, like somebody said, else I know who's never happy with the audio. Uh, I don't know who. Uh, uh, Cl- uh, what's his name? Uh, Clarence. Yeah, that's who. It was. Well, uh, j- just to speak a bit more on that particular scene, but maybe more so from the the writers or the the actual dialogue uh, perspective of what's said there. Um, what's your kind of just overall take of like? social justice in in comics um is there a place for that should that be just totally avoided um what's what's your kind of just general take on that no no i mean that's how comics have been you know forever i mean you know you've seen marvel and dc address 
um, social issues all throughout. I mean, that I think isn't that why Muhammad Ali appeared in one of the uh, <laughs> issues, you know, years True. ago. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, they, that's that's just how comics are. I mean, if people want to escape uh, what's taking place in the world, then uh, well, stick your head in sand. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, you're not going to yeah. get it in comics, and you're going to get it on TV. You know, you're going to give it you're going to get it in every episode that you see. You know, that's that's what MASH was all about. You know? So yeah. you're going to get it in, in every aspect of life and you're not going to avoid it. You know, so uh, I just think um, comics should address it more. Uh, you know, I know people want to try to, you know, escape reality with comics. But, you know, comics is, is that's what we're doing. We're addressing social issues. You know, uh, we've had um, recently, you know, Superman came under scrutiny a couple of weeks uh, ago when I think it was Fox News or someone that was uh, or it was an article in a paper or something that was because Superman looked to be uh, protecting some people that they assumed when reading it was uh, – Mexican and, you know, saying that Superman shouldn't be used for political uh, propaganda, which if you read the book in its context, that wasn't the case. But considering the fact that you've had that and then you've had some people saying to the fact of Marvel's being too diverse with having Miles Morales or as a Spider-Man and having uh, a female Thor, do you think that is something that is just comics are changing and becoming more diverse as a whole or do, and it's the old school st- resisting that or do you think it's just a phase what what's your take on that no no i think comics are pretty much doing what pretty much everybody in the world is is trying to do trying to become more diverse i mean you see it in hollywood um, with the what was it o- Oscar so white so now you see <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so now you see so many uh, my, minorities you know in different roles on TV now that they weren't presented in you know two or three years ago now you see you know instead of the black sidekick or the Mexican sidekick now we're trying to see you know more of the black in the leading role so now I just think and with comics I think it's not just a phase and I think it's uh, a lot of the uh, old guys not wanting to, you know, change, um, not accepting it. I mean, you, it's, you, you can't stay, you know, with, you know, Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman and that's it. You know, that's why, you know, Milestone is making its, you know, return. And, and, uh, that's why Lion Forge is doing well. You know, it's, it's not just, you know, white males reading comics you know it's white females reading comics it's black guys reading comics it's black females reading comics it's hispanics reading comics and it's everybody reading comics so you can't just have superman catering to just one one race you know or batman catering to one race so you know that's why i feel you know people are kind of upset you know when we see um when when a character is changed from one race to another in a, in a movie, you know, a lot of people are upset about that. And they're like, well, you know, make your own, you know, characters, you know, well, you, if you would buy a, more of the characters books, you know, buy more line forge, you know, so, you know what I'm saying? You know, so don't get mad if we, if, if miles Morales is black, you know, because you didn't go pick up that guy who is a black artist and a black writer when he tried to go create his own book at image, you know, or wherever, you know, so <laughs> help yeah. it out. Oh <laughs> yeah. I, I do like at least in comics, most of the time when they do change gender or change race, they pretty much always have a story justification for it. Whereas in movies, it's you know, we're just going to change the race, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So at least in comics, it's a little more palatable in that sense, you know, where it's just a different character, you know, that is taking up the mantle in, in a sense. But, you know, I, I, I was sitting here thinking of all the flack that, uh, that initially was given about the Fantastic Four movie where Michael B. Jordan was playing Johnny Storm. Now, the book, I mean, the movie was 
in my opinion, a dud, not because of Michael B. Jordan, but because of various other reasons. But uh, having said that, if you, you know, they, they, they explained it, I think, in story about the family relationship. But even still, you have so many families now that are of the parents are of mixed race that you it it is not impossible for Johnny to be of one race and Sue to be of another. Uh, I, I mean, I thought that's totally believable. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's 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 too big of a melting pot right now. You know, it's always been a big melting pot in America, but uh, I just think with social media, everybody's voice is being heard a lot more, and you know. <clears throat> I think everybody's is demanding more attention. And so, like you said, when you see, you know, this race or that race and you, and you hear all the complaints and it's just like, well, you know, help things out, you know, you know, buy more diversified books, you know, help, help, a, you know, a publisher out that isn't Marvel or DC. You know, if, if you want Spider-Man and Superman and all these characters to stay the same in the books, but you want more ethnic characters, then help those other publishers out. (laughs) So are you excited about milestone uh, return? I am. I am. I'm a big, uh, like I said, um, static shot was one of my favorite characters around that image boom time in the early nineties. When milestone came out, icon and static shock and the syndicate. syndicate, Yes. Yeah. 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 All of the, Yeah. That's it was just I think Icon's story, how he was, you know, an alien from a different planet that came down and took on the role that will took on, you know, the the resemblance of a black man at the Jim Crow time. I mean, you know, at that time, (laughs) it's just like. It's just like, wow, this is Superman if he was black. Yeah, and what was it? Wasn't it like 1860 when he uh, arrived? And and Uh yeah, yeah, he came in at the slave times and you know went through it all. And I even, you know, that's that's why I thought, um, what was that movie? Will Smith, um, Hancock. I thought that was such a great. I thought that was such a great uh, storyline. I wish it would have went more in depth to his past. You know, instead of being in, you know, a comical, you know, what he's doing now, if you would have, de- you know, dive down and, you know, what he experienced, you know, being an uh, inter- interracial rate relationship, you know, and being powerful, you know, let's look at that story. You True. Know? And Clarence, I don't think I've ever mentioned this to you, but but in if I remember correctly and Dietrich, correct me if I'm wrong here, but in the original Icon run his sidekick rocket had to give up um she was a teenager of course and she had to give up being rocket for a while because she got pregnant so she had to uh get a uh replacement or he had to find a replacement which i think was maybe her best friend that became rocket during that time am i remembering that right mm-hmm. i think i think so i mean i i yeah i liked uh i hated to see milestone go and i was you know it was cool seeing them incorporated back into DC, but I'm curious and, and interested to see where they take Milestone now. Yeah, because I mean, like I said, Static Shock, he came out and he dressed and he talked the way I did. Because, you know, I was, I came up around, you know, the whole Belle Bib DeVoe time. So, you know, when everybody was spray painting, you know, the big graffiti on your jeans and, you know, you had the word up all spray painted, you know. And the big flat, I mean, you know, big fat laces on your shoes, you know, the fat boys era. And then you saw you saw static coming out talking like that. And it was just like, that's me. If I was a superhero, <laughs> you, know? you know, that's how I would talk, because, you know, you know how Peter Peter Parker talked, And, you know, you related to him because he was a teenager and he was going through the problems that you were going through. But I didn't sound anything like Peter Parker. You know what I'm saying? So, like I said, Milestone, you know, that was a, that was a cool time. That was a cool time. And now it's coming back. I'm, you know, I'm anxious. Me too. Me too. I'm excited. So let me ask you this. Uh, you know, since we're talking about the early 90s when you got into the industry, how how do you think social media has transformed y- 
how you work and how you are able to live in Alabama now and do the work that you do and connect with people like myself and Clarence the, uh, through social media, having this conversation that we would not have had or been able to have had in the early 90s, uh, you know, back when Milestorm first started. How has that transformed how you work? Oh, well, social media is a blessing and a curse. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> I mean, I mean, because uh, like I was telling somebody before, when I got in and trying to um, send my work to different editors, you know, for uh, to see if I could get a job, you know, I was faxing, you know, pages. I was, you know, I would go to Kinko's and I would try to make the darkest copy I could make and I would fax it in and it would take like <laughs> 30 minutes because, you know, you tried to make it go on the slowest speed that you could to get the best DPI, the best quality. Um, <laughs> like I said, it was, it was just hectic. You know, people don't know what, know what a fax is anymore. <laughs> they don't know what a fax machine is. But, uh, but like I said, being able to um, converse and connect with people is, is a blessing, though. Um, to, meet, to meet fans online, socially, and to feel loved by person a person that you've never met you know to get loves and hearts and big thanks and big shout outs you know that's like i said it's just a big energy boost like i said from somebody that lives in new york or in seattle or japan you're making so many connections you know and you're able to um see so many different art styles it's that's that's a big plus as well um, you know, you're able to see so much that can influence you and learn from, you know, every minute. You know, Instagram is the biggest blessing to me. I, I live on Instagram because I'm always looking at somebody's work like, ooh, that is, ooh, that is cool. That's a big motivation, you know, thing. But like I said, to connect with fans, though, you know, that's it's an energy boost. You know, if I'm having a bad day and I draw a piece that I oh that I like this piece, let me post it. And then you get a million likes. It's like, oh, man, my battery is charged. They like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know? OK, I don't I, I'm not that big of a hack artist. You know, some people actually do think <laughs> I can draw. You know? So you mentioned is- Instagram. Uh, I have to ask digital versus print. Oh, um, <laughs> what do you mean? Well, you you mean collecting, or or on how I work? Do I well well, well 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 first let's do as far as um just a, a comic book shopper going in and buying a book and also how you work as well because I think we talked about that a little bit at Golden Triangle. Well, uh, I'm still the old guy that still needs to have the book in hand. I I use comic comicsology a lot, and I'm actually about to use it in a minute. And pick up my man Dan Panosian's book, Slots, number two. <laughs> I, I love Dan Panosian stuff, but I'm about to grab that. But I have to have the book in hand. But like I said, I'm I'm in a small town, and there's no comic book store where I'm at. So <laughs> if I don't feel like heading an hour and a half over to, to the comic book store, then I'm on Comicsology. But you know, anytime I go, I'm you know, I've got to I got to buy the book. It's it's I like to have it in my hand. You know, I, I'm sure you guys do too. Um, you know, yeah, we've actually but, debated because uh, uh, I keep trying to want to go to uh, digital. But the thing that you just described, I call it my fix. Um, I start getting and I'm not joking here. I like today I was not able to go pick up my comics to almost five o'clock. And I literally about three thirty, four o'clock, I started getting those. Okay, I know he's gonna hold my books for me, but 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 what if he doesn't? I mean, you know, you know, you start getting that little. I need that comic book fix, that paper that you're referring to. Yeah, yeah, it's just I don't know. It's just like I, you know, it's just know. something it's about holding just, a book, uh, comic. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. You can smell them. <laughs> you're right. They do. They have a. Yeah, a comic book has a s- smell. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you want that new comic book smell. But you know what? I think just... people who are younger than us, like people who are kids that were that are coming up in this digital age, 
they're not going to have that. They're not going to have that uh, appreciation uh-huh. that we do of going to, uh, you know, like the local uh, KMB or going to the grocery store because that was the only place you could buy comics then. Yeah, yeah. And no, it's just, and it's just better to head to a comic book store because you know you you you're able to relate with everybody there and you're able to have a good conversation about what took place in last issue and what you're hoping takes place in the next in the issue you're about to buy you know <laughs> and then and plus I love all the goodies that are in comic book stores I love statues and I love you know uh t-shirts you know with 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 the logos on the front, you know, I've, I think I've owned the flash t-shirt with the flash logo. I think I've owned about five or six of the <laughs> same shirt. <laughs> it's, it's just, I, I wear it and then it gets old and it gets a hole in it. So I buy the same one. <laughs> so, but, uh, but Clarence, when it comes to my work style, uh, digital, uh, but I think I need to get back to doing things in traditional because uh, when I go to conventions, I get so many requests on, oh, man, do you have that page from this issue or that issue? And I have to give them the, oh, no, I'm sorry, guy. I draw everything digital. So I, uh. can't, so, you know, <laughs> yeah, I get that. I get that. Yeah. And then that's what I get. Oh, it's just like, I'm sorry, man. I, like I said, you know. I think I made this joke before. Some people might not even believe that I'm actually drawing because I don't have the paper on hand to show proof. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, yeah, you say you did it. But, you, know. <laughs> you, you, you know, you you mentioned drawing at a convention, and I've noticed from uh, watching you after we – well, I was watching you when we were talking to you uh, in, in Columbus, but also just seeing pictures that you've done at other cons since then – you ha- you have a process of drawing a some type of picture while you're at a con. Do you know ahead of time who that character is going to be, or do you just take the piece of paper, set it down, and whatever comes to you comes to you? Oh no, just no. At the conventions, though, that's mainly off of request. <clears throat> yeah, that's 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 what whoever comes to my table and says, "Hey, draw this." That's that's how I start. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And they give me they give me free reign to you know pick whatever pose. You know that's that's always what's cool about you know my commission requests that I get at conventions is draw Robin or draw Batman or draw you know Daredevil and draw them whatever way you want. We trust you. That's all. That's always that's always what I hear. We trust you. <laughs> I'll be back in two hours. Okay. Cool. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I want to go back just real quick. I asked this question before, but I just want to just a bit more detail because I said, when did you feel like you were an exceptional artist? So just a little little bit further back than that, when did you realize you were better than everybody else around you? Because I know there had to be a point where, you know, you had to be the best drawer in your grade or your class or your school or something like that. Or, Or did you never have that moment? Uh, no, I don't think I ever had that moment, really? but I always, but, but in school, I'm, I'm from a small, small town. Um, like I said, my, my dad is in the military, but, um, time off, I, you know, I grew up here in uh, Alabama and my town is like population 2000 population 1800. We have maybe like three, I think we have three stoplights. So we, I have a small town. <laughs> so, so in my school, in time, anytime, anything needed to be illustrated hey let's go get dietrich Ah, (laughs) that's what i was looking for (laughs) yes it was it was never really of i'm better than anybody i can you know nobody can touch my skills it was just you know i'm the guy that can draw you know so that's what that's what i was thinking that was just it sounds like (laughs) you didn't it it was never an a, a, a a you consciously acknowledged it yourself but obviously others did and by default gave you that acknowledgement yeah 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 and like i said you know you hearing at you know family gatherings of oh he's so talented and all that oh you you know you get that pat (laughs) oh hercules 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 you know (laughs) you get that pat on the back from all the aunts and uncles you know all the time you know you start to believe it after a while 
But then you start looking at the comic books and like I said, the image boom was going around and I saw Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld's Bad Rock and, you know, Youngblood. And then you see Spawn and you see Mark Silvestri. And, you know, it's just like those dudes can draw, you know, and it's like John Romita Jr. And it's like, no, those dudes can draw. <laughs> I'm doing chicken scratch, you know, <laughs> trying to, you know, trying to imitate, you know. And then then you your mind starts to, you know, expand and you see even larger artists. And then, you know, you start understanding um, it's not just all about being a comic book artist. You have to become an artist, you know. Yeah. So that's why I that's my biggest advice to all, you know, uh, up- upcoming artists, you know, as well. Don't just draw superheroes. Don't just draw. <laughs> You'll never get hired. Editors don't want to see, you know, you draw the Hulk crash through a building on 10 pages. <laughs> there has to be some scenes where he's talking, you know, the, you know, you, you, there's not a fight scene in 22 pages of every book. You know, you got to learn how to draw cars and, and donkeys and mules and airplanes and, you know, forest and islands, you know, you've got to learn how to draw everything. So, so let me ask you this. Um, do you ever, do you find it or do you ever find it more difficult? Is, is the, is the, is it harder to draw for you or does it not matter if you're, if you're drawing a man or drawing a, you know, a female superhero, male superhero, do you find one easier to draw than the other or does it really not made it make no. a difference? No, no. I have so many years of drawing men and women. They're both the same. It's both equal <laughs> backgrounds. Backgrounds are just the, um, I think, I, I just think, um, creating a scene that flows well, um, leaving room for word balloons, but still wanting, I think that's the biggest, you know, <clears throat> tussle for me as an artist is I want to make the page look so interesting visually and I don't want to leave any gutter room, any empty space. I want every page to look spectacular, but I've all also have to leave room for word balloons. <laughs> you know? Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And, you know, and I can't, um, and comics, comics are like TV shows as well. You know, um, you can't confuse the, art, the, the reader, um, by having, uh, different figures, you know, go from one, one scene to another scene, you know, jumping, you know, if I have, um, Superman on the left side of the page, and then the next panel, he's on the right side of the page, you know, with with you know flopping characters. You know, it's kind of confusing. You know, so if the camera is in one area, um, keep it in one area. So I think I learned a lot through animation. Like I said, it's I got away from animation for after a few years of being in it, but it taught me a lot on how to tell a story uh, the proper way. Uh, so I don't think I followed that. Uh, old book that a lot of artists read uh, was how to draw comics the Marvel way or there how to go. draw comics the DC <laughs> the DC way. No, I I, I you learned, draw comics the Dietrich uh, way. Yeah, I, I learned through a lot of um, my time in animation on learning how to storyboard, learning how characters inner scene left, inner scene right, uh, how to pan, how to zoom, how to crop. Uh, I think that taught me a bit. All right, so here, here's what I want to do. I was looking at the time, and we want to be respectful of your time. So we're coming up on Yeah, you're going to make me Mr. Mr. Robot. <laughs> hey, oh, the good show, by the way. Um, so, so here's what, what I thought we would do is I'm going to throw one more question at you. I, I know Clarence may have a closing question, and then uh, uh, we'll, we'll do a wrap-up there. So if there is – so for my question, if there is – one experience that you've had at a con or with with a fan or anything what has been your most memorable positive experience either at a con or with a fan that you can recall off the top of your head oh wow wow um Oh man, I don't know. And, um, All right. Well, I got a second question for you, if Clarence doesn't <laughs> mind. If there is one uh, 
character that you have not worked on yet that you would like to draw? Who might that character that you haven't worked on yet be? Bishop. Ah, cool. Oh, interesting. <laughs> interesting. Cool beans. Wow. All right, Clarence. Um, yeah, is there any project project that you worked on that's had a veil of secrecy around it where I know most things you can't really give details on, but as I think about things that are surrounding movies like maybe Star Wars and stuff like that, there's an extra amount of secrecy around it. So have you ever worked on anything that's just been like A1 top secret? You know, A1 top secret that I'm not allowed to away. discuss or talk about? Yeah. Oh, uh, no, no. Pretty much every every book that I've received that I've worked on, it's just been, you know, the whole, you know, tried and true um, don't say anything until we let until, until, <laughs> just the basics. Until, yeah, yeah. Until we put out the solicitation, you know. Yeah. Just, you know. Okay, I won't. You know, don't mention what you're working on or show any artwork until it's solicited. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> that's that's how it's pretty much been in, with every uh, assignment that I've received. Um, but I yeah, I think that's about it. Um, but uh, Kyle, I, going back to the um, convention and surprises, I, I I won't say it's a surprise, but I think it was my weirdest request though was to draw. I I I, um, I think I was in uh, Nevada. I, yeah, I was in a Las Vegas convention. Oh, and a big fan. And oh, no, it's nothing big. And a big fan <laughs> of Harley Quinn. Uh, this young girl came to me and she gave me a baseball bat. And she wanted me to draw Harley Quinn on it. I just <laughs> oh, thought that was cool. yeah, yeah. I just thought that was like the weirdest thing to draw on was, was, a, was baseball. a baseball bat, and that, and that was hard wooden bat. It was hard. <laughs> <laughs> the curvature of the bat. I was just like, oh man, this is a tough one, a tough one. But one of the, I I do have a, a okay. This is a rather funny thing though. I, I this came to mind. I was at a uh, this was at Dragon Con. I was at Dragon Con this year, and I had a um, Spider Man print that I was um, signing, and uh, a gentleman came up and wanted to buy the print, but didn't want me to sign it. And what? I was like, yeah, that's an insult, right? <laughs> and, and I said, why not? And he said, Stan Lee is right over there because Stan Lee was seated, was seated rather close to me. And he's like, I want him to sign it because he's the creator. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, but I've, I've worked on the book before. I did a issue of Spider-Man and I think uh, Larry, Larry Hama was not too far from me. And he was the uh, writer on the on the uh, Spider-Man uh, issue that I did and I said it would be even better if you went and got Larry who wrote an issue that I worked on and then got me to sign the you know the the, the print and then get Stan Lee to top it off and he's like yeah. oh yeah 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 I guess you're right I, I guess you can sign it <laughs> oh man it's <laughs> like, terrible oh, okay, man. <laughs> I was like all right man <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I was like, okay, whatever floats his boat, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I was just like, oh man, you know, I, this, this is the print that I drew, but you don't want me to sign it. Okay, I understand. <laughs> you know? Wow. And and that, I think, is a good point, a good highlight point to uh, start the wrap-up of the show. Uh, Dietrich, how would, uh, if anybody wants to find out more about you, of course, we will have it in our show notes uh, below if you're uh, listening to it on our website or uh, it's in the show notes in whatever podcast player you're listening to. But how could people, if they want to reach out and get in touch with you uh, on social media, how would they do that? Well, my handle on pretty much every social media outlet there is is Dietrich O. Smith, at Dietrich O. Smith. This, my handle is the same on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr. Uh, I'm not on Snapchat or anything like that, but I, I that, that's even my website's uh, information as well. So you can just actually look me up on uh, Google, Dietrich O. Smith. 
Make sure you put the O in there because there's another Dietrich Smith who's a football <laughs> player and we don't look anything alike. So, but <laughs> yeah, put the O in there and you'll find me Dietrich O Smith. And you, if you, if anybody guesses what the O stands for, I might send him something. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. That's just like, if anybody guesses what, uh, that the, uh, E for uh, Clarence E Brown, uh, stands for, uh, which 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 I do know by the way, but uh, I'm not revealing. But anyway, um, so anybody for everybody listening, Clarence and I will be right back to wrap up the episode. But before we do that, we want to thank Dietrich for coming on with us tonight. It's oh, yeah. been a pleasure, and you are welcome back, my friend, anytime. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I'm uh, glad to finally actually be on here and chat with you guys. I know I've been. Supposed to have been on here for a while, but you know how, how I am. You know I'm so busy. I'm you know I'm, I'm <laughs> you hanging go. with uh, this athlete and that athlete, and you know trying to make tours over to China and you know Brazil and. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, All right, so everybody, we will be right back. Discussing Who is made possible thanks in part to listeners like you. Want more discussing Who? Become a Patreon supporter. By becoming a Patreon, you can support the show while receiving exclusive content available only for Patreon supporters. Visit patreon.com backslash discussing who for more information on how to become a Patreon today. All right, we are back. And Clarence, I think that was a very good conversation. What do you say? Oh, yeah, it was so good talking to uh, to Dietrich, you know, and having, you know, met him at Golden Triangle Comic Con. It was good to finally, you know, kind of rehash some of the conversations we had that day. And um, just just a good guy and good to talk with him, man. Fun interview. Okay, so my only critique of the entire uh, entire episode, which would be I made the mistake of and I don't know if this was a mistake, but I made the choice. There you go. Of going on and right before we started recording i looked again which uh i think i'd already done but i looked again at all of the things he had done so as soon as we started talking and i'm realizing wow some of the things that i remember back from when i was in my early 20s i'm talking to someone who drew those and i started going into utter (laughs) fanboy mode so yeah that was but that was that was made it the whole conversation even more cool. Yeah. Yeah. And me just having recently read the, uh, book four and five, five, four and five of destroyer, you know, I was just really engrossed in the artwork and just a good overall story in those books. So I'm anxious to get the last one of destroyer from uh boom comics, you know, finish that, that arc up and maybe even go back and I didn't read the first few. So maybe even pick those up as well. Yep. I agree. Which, you know, getting that context coming in into it in the middle of the story, like we did, um, you know, I didn't, I don't know the beginning of it and he gave a lot of backstory that I didn't know either. So yes, I agree with you on both fronts. So anybody that's um, listening, we have a link to, uh, Victor Lavelle's uh, site as well in here, so you can check out some of his other works. And um, again, I just am kind of still in fanboy mode. So that was a cool, cool conversation. So Dietrich, if you're listening, again, thank you for being on. So Clarence, yeah. what else might you be working on? Yeah, still trucking along with the. Uh std a star trek discovery podcast uh we are wrapping up the first half of the season with this next episode coming up and yeah just just chucking along with that and having fun with it and you know per usual we'll we'll be on every thursday to record a fresh up uh that's at stdpodcast.com what about you man what have you been working on well uh other than being on that particular podcast with you uh you and i also have a youtube channel which you can, uh, of course, find at youtube.discussingwho.com. That will take you right to it. And, of course, subscribe. Tell us what you think. Uh, Give us some suggestions on what you would like to see us talk about. And also, if you're on Apple Podcast, uh, you know, check us out on there, Player FM. Um, You know, wherever you want to find us, uh, we're pretty much there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Check us out, guys. All right, good deal. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. We appreciate your time, 
And uh, as always, again, thanks for listening. We will be back next episode. Discussing Who is brought to you by Audible. You've probably heard of Audible, but just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 180,000 titles. Let me say that again. 180,000 titles to choose from. Imagine a genre, they've got an audiobook. And these files play on smartphones, Kindles, tablets, in fact, over 500 different devices. Now, for fans of Discussing Who, Audible is offering a free download when you start a new Audible subscription. And you can choose anything at all from that vast library. But we know you want to get one of their absolutely fantastic Doctor Who titles, which include New Adventures of the Doctor, but also Torchwood and River Song. And they're performed for you by actors you know and love. Wonderful voices. Tom Baker, Alex Kingston, David Tennant. The list goes on and on. So try it out for 30 days. And if at the end of the month you decide Audible is not for you, you still get to keep that Doctor Who book you downloaded. So look at it this way. Free Doctor Who book. So here's how you get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash discussing who. That's audible trial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com slash discussing who. Also one word. And that's how you get your free book. What could be better than that? You've been listening to the Discussing Who podcast. Discussing Who is made by fans for fans. No copyright infringement is intended. Show us your fans of the show by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter. You can find us on the web at www.discussingwho.com. Want more Discussing Who? Find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Player FM, the Doctor Who Podshock Alliance, and more. Send us your feedback to discussingwho at gmail.com, or if you'd like, simply record a voice message and send that to us via your smartphone, tablet, or computer. We want to hear from you.